digital world that we live in. And so if you're not online, you're not really a fully functioning citizen. Hello, you are listening to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. This week, Chris and his guest, Michael Limata, discuss digital inclusion efforts in Kansas City. Michael is president of the nonprofit Connecting for Good, an organization in the region aiming to bring more lower-income households online. As our listeners know, Google Fiber is now deploying in the community. Chris and Michael discuss whether or not the deployment has increased rates of adoption. Michael and Chris ponder some proposed ideas for bringing lower-income households online. Charging a very low rate? Should access be free? How does home access affect adoption as opposed to access in a library or other community space? We encourage you to visit connectingforgood.org to learn more about the organization, especially if you feel your community could benefit from a digital inclusion program. We bring you the Community Broadband Bits podcast advertisement-free each week. Please consider contributing to help us continue carrying on this valuable service. It's easy. Visit ILSR.org and click on the orange Donate button. Here are Chris and Michael. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Michael Limata, the president of a nonprofit organization, Connecting for Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Michael, I'm really excited to have you on the show because I know you've been doing excellent work in Kansas City. Uh, you and I are on a, the same uh, listserv where we talk about a lot of these different issues, and, and I've always found you to have, um, I think you give a lot of deep thought to these issues, deeper than, than perhaps other people are. Um, so I was excited to have you on, and I'd like to start by asking you to tell us a little bit more about Connecting for Good. Yeah, well, we have been around since November of 2011. That was actually, you know, my fr- partner, Rick Dean, and I, who are the co-founders, were excited when Google Fiber was coming to Kansas City. We really thought, you know, it would be a great opportunity to reach out to people who have, you know, not been connected up to this point. Uh, we had worked together on some projects because Rick uh, had an IT company called NPO Tech Support, and I have done a lot of consulting with nonprofits. Uh, I'm actually currently the academic dean of City Vision College an online school I started in 1998, and I've been involved with working with the homeless and alcoholics and drug addicts for over 30 years. So I'm kind of aware of the empowering, you know, nature of accessible technology. So, and Rick, on the other hand, you know, it was an installer for One Economy in Kansas City when they were active here. He brought Wi-Fi to about 16 housing projects. So he's about that end of things. Can you tell us a little bit about Kansas City and is there, you know, is Kansas City just a typical urban area that has uh, populations that that are that aren't really served under the current situation or is there something unique about Kansas City aside from Google Fiber? Yeah, well, I think Kansas City itself has got a long history of racism and intentional redlining. And as a result, I mean the city is almost split down the middle between majority white, majority black neighborhoods. And so everything east of Truce in Kansas City, Missouri is like 90% black. And, you know, we know that uh, all of the studies of this area showed that, you know, there are neighborhoods east of Truce that have fewer than 20% of the people with in-home internet connections. In the Kansas City, Missouri School District, 
we know that 70% of the kids don't have internet at home. So there's a huge you know, disparities between what people can do economically, uh, academically, and so we really felt like you know this was the time and this was an opportunity to seize a chance to go out and say you know let's get these people connected. So we actually uh, formed our board and incorporated in 2011. And our first project was something called Rosedale Ridge, which is a 168 uh, unit uh, Section 8 property in Kansas City, Kansas. And we, of course, hoped that Google Fiber would allow us to use their uh, back, you know, their bandwidth. But it turns out, at least at the time, the fiber to the home didn't allow multiple users. So. We, uh, at that point, got hooked up with Isaac Wilder and the Free Network Foundation and learned how to do um, backhaul through uh, the microwave dishes. So we kind of became our own nonprofit ISP. And today we still supply about 500 low-income households with free internet. The other side of our project is that we uh, are a computer reuser. We try to rescue usable computers from the scrap dealers and refurbish them and offer them to low-income families for $75. And then we have a training component where we're involved with, um, you know, teaching people how to use the Internet, how to use uh, computer basics. And a three-hour class is required before you can buy a computer for $75. To kind of take take home a computer that's useful, we've hooked up with everyone on .org and Mobile Beacon to actually allow them to buy a $45 router that, that will allow them to get 4G internet for, for $10 a month. No contracts, no uh, credit checks. And we actually accept cash for people who, you know, don't have bank bank cards or credit cards. Well, that's an important point. I'm, I'm glad you raised that. And and actually, your, your solution at $10 a month, it's worth noting, is far superior to the can't the... Um the Comcast solution of Internet Essentials because your solution would allow people to use multiple devices. So if uh, kids in the school district got a device from the school district, you know, you could have multiple people in the household connecting, whereas Comcast Internet Essentials only allows one device to use the Internet at a time. Right, and I think the the other side of the Kansas City, Missouri school district is that 40% of the kids will move during the school year. So even Google Fiber, which is, you know, to a particular residence, doesn't help them much when they're not there at the end of the school year. So it's a device that is, you know, you can take with you wherever you go. And it's a, it's kind of the equivalent of a pay-as-you-go cell phone. So if you, if you give us the $10 this month, you have the service. If you don't pay it next month, you don't have the service. But if you come back again sometime during the month, we'll turn it back on. So it's, it's a 30-day increment. Right, and I, I want to point out that I, just for our listeners, we we normally talk about municipal networks and things that are related. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you're working on these kinds of solutions that I think can inform what people are doing with municipal networks. And and one of the things that that you said earlier that I want to come back to briefly is that you had hoped that you'd be able to get connections from Google and then share them. So maybe get one or two connections from Google and then share it over multiple households, something that the cable companies and the telephone companies don't let us do. And Google decided not to let us do that. And I think many municipalities don't allow people to do that either. So I just want to put it out there as something that you saw a solution there. And it's something that we we don't really see ISPs in general allowing people to do. Yeah, well, and of course, we haven't given up. Google has announced a small business plan, 
and you know we actually we have used Time Warner in the past for one of our projects uh, with a commercial connection. So we have hopes maybe that you know this will also be another avenue for sharing bandwidth as um, to a commercial connection of some sort that Google provides. Right. Um, now, one of the things that, as I understand it, Google helped to set up was the uh, Kansas City Digital Inclusion Fund. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, Connecting for Good is one of the first recipients of a fund that was actually organized by Google Fiber, and they included some other funders uh, like uh, Sprint got involved and uh, GE Dunn. And, uh, you know, the whole idea was to put together a million dollars and offer $300,000 of grants a year. So last year we received about $35,000 from that and used it to basically upgrade our refurbishing operations. And the other nonprofits were a couple of Hispanic groups, uh, the public library and uh, another youth organization. Do you have any advice for other cities that are trying to set up uh, digital inclusion funds? Uh, you know, we had a we had an effort here in Minneapolis, and the way the contract was wording worded, the provider uh, that was getting city money to build a Wi-Fi network uh, effectively stopped making contributions to it, which was very disappointing. Um, so my experience has been somewhat negative. Uh, you know, what advice would you give to cities that want to set up a fund like that? Well, I think it's an awesome thing, and I think the key is to really start talking to the people who are already doing the work. You know, I think if you design any kind of a fund that, you know, you don't consult the people who will actually be the beneficiaries, you're not going to get something that really is practical for them. But I think, you know, again, uh, in Kansas City, like many other major cities, the people who aren't able to connect are really left out. I mean, it's a digital world that we live in, and so if you're not online, you're not really a fully functioning citizen. You know, people have thought perhaps the public libraries or such could really, you know, solve part of the problem, but at least in Kansas City, they're completely deluged. So you really, you wait a couple hours to use the computer for 45 minutes. If you had to check your email every day by doing that, it would be pretty discouraging. So, you know, we, we just really think the gold standard is internet and home. Well, we've gotten involved a little bit also with uh, working with uh, free networks and have supported the work here in Kansas City, too. So but we're trying to do it on multiple levels. You know, our, our whole idea is how do we get you connected? Are you in a Google Fiber neighborhood? Can you afford it? This is an opportunity, you know, if you're in a public housing project that we live in. Of course, we provide it for free. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So is the, um, in the, what happens if you're living in a public housing? Uh, well, right now we have a partnership with the Kansas City, Kansas Public Housing Authority. And they've pretty much given us uh, open door as far as all of their properties. The, of course, the key is always the funding element. Last year, we had a crowdfunder on a platform here called Neighborly, and uh, we raised a total of about $40,000 to bring uh, their biggest property online, and that was um, called Juniper Gardens, which has about 400 households. And so we built a Wi-Fi hotspot uh, using equipment that was donated by uh, One Economy. To, to bring in to all of this property. So we put about 70 radios on 40 buildings. And so you took $40,000 and you were able to serve uh, 400 housing units. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's corresponds to about $100 a door. Right. And, and presumably you have, um, you know, what, two and a half, three people in each of those units? Yes. So that's really quite remarkable impact. Yeah, we really think so. And, you know, we're, 
we're seeing really about maybe like 150 gigs of data being transferred weeks in this particular housing project. Well, I want to I want to get back to Google briefly, and and just uh, one of the things that that I've enjoyed in in talking with you online is the nuance. And some people are very critical of Google, and some people only want to praise Google. And I think you and I have been taking a position of this is good and this is challenging, or we don't really like that so much. Uh-huh. Well, Google's decided not to serve some neighborhoods, um, and and that's obviously disappointing. Now, they give those neighborhoods a chance to, to sign up, so that's different than what we've seen from, from other carriers. But I'm curious if you can tell me, and maybe we'll separate it into the neighborhoods that are served by Google and then those that are not served by Google separately. But how has the Google Fiber Network impacted uh, low-income neighborhoods in Kansas City? It brought faster Internet to people that were using that Internet, um, but really was not any kind of significant impact upon any low-income neighborhood at all. The, uh, you know, there's less than a 10% adoption rate in, in the traditionally black and low-income neighborhoods of East of Truce and, uh, and also in Wyandotte County where we work, where we have a community technology center. And that just follows pretty much the pattern of all, all of those neighborhoods that, you know, like one in five people has an internet connection. And so those who had it thought, well, Google was a great deal. Those who weren't already online first didn't understand it. You know, they had the money to do it. it. didn't happen. What is the barrier uh, for uh, people who are not uh, online where it's available? Well, I think there's a lot of barriers. Um, first off, of course, the cost of equipment, which is something we're trying to address to refurbish computers, the cost of a subscription. Uh, there was a lot of prob- problems around renters that, you know, unless the landlord Initially, you pay three hundred dollars. You weren't going to, for your unit and every unit in your building. You weren't going to get Google Fiber. Um, so I understand now they have changed that that policy, and we'll see what the impact of that is. But ultimately, too, it's just the fact that um, people don't understand the internet. They're intimidated by it. They don't see its relevance in their lives. Plus the cost, you know. Plus not owning a device. So there's a lot of on the ground issues that a lot of the few research studies have indicated. I guess the hopeful part for us, though, is that, you know, we did, we've trained like 2,000 people uh, in our, what we call our free digital life skills class this year already. And um, our profile is pretty much 80% black because that's the neighborhoods that we're in, but also 75%, $20,000 a year income or less, uh, two thirds women. And, uh, of the women, the, I mean, most of them are 50 and older and have a child under 18 living in their home. So in some ways, we're kind of in this mode of, of uh, empowering older black women through the Internet. And they're taking computers from us home and connectivity home to, to where they have children in their care. Now, I think one of the benefits that you had identified uh, in a previous discussion was that uh, Google coming in has uh, cast more light on the issue and really helped to to galvanize a better conversation about the need of many in Kansas City for better options than they currently have. Yes, I would say that is the biggest impact of Google Fiber on the Lincoln neighborhood. Very simply that they did a digital inclusion or digital divide study and, and, you know, it just sort of like made people aware of, hey, wow, you know, there's a huge uh, percentage of our people that aren't online and aren't using the Internet. 
so it really created, um, you know, quite a, a thrust among ourselves, the public library and other nonprofits, uh, to figure out, well, how, what are we going to do about this now? And so we actually uh, have been meeting for a couple of years, and a group that we're calling the uh, Kansas City Digital Inclusion Coalition, we actually sponsored a uh, summit on the 17th of October that was very well attended. And then we'll be doing a follow-up here in January of that summit. And uh, we got a lot of, you know, uh, think tanks and discussion and energy going. And so now, actually, we're moving to the place where our city council is about ready to pass a resolution in support of digital inclusion activities. And uh, we're actually moving toward the city, opening up more of its facilities. You know, Google Fiber is installing a free connection at... uh, many of the community centers. So we're right now working to install computers and all the equipment to make sure they can use that gigabit connection and then get other community organizations engaged with, you know, training and things at the sites. So so we're, you know, we're really excited for that part. You know, I guess it's a problem that's been around for years, but they're actually coming to Kansas City sort of put the spotlight on it. To wrap up, I'm curious if you can help me understand something, which is, do we need to just lower the cost of connectivity and teach people how to use computers? Uh, or do we need to find a way of making sure there's a free connection available at every address in a, in a given city? Well, I, you know, I think that there's an element of expecting people to pay for something because what they've actually invested in, I believe they value more. So that's why, you know, we're excited to offer $10 because that's the price point practically anybody can do. It's like two packs of cigarettes, right, uh, to get internet for a month. And with our computers for 75 we actually let people actually make payments anyway right. before they purchase it. So we want them to have that investment. And because, you know, we've invested more than $75 into these computers, we don't want them in a pawn shop for a week. So people have to take the class, put their money in. So it's, you know, there's a value proposition there. But we don't mind doing this in places that are, you know, really the low income, like the housing authority, right, or the Section 8, where we know people are just getting by on $10,000 a year. For them, you know, it's like keeping food on the table and closing their children. It's like that's all they can do. So to provide free in some cases, I think, is something that's, you know, very worthwhile. I think, it, you know, but generally speaking, I just think a big giant giveaway is not the way to do it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed uh, learning a bit more about Kansas City. And I think I think there's a lot of cities that could benefit from uh, all the thinking and work you've done in this area. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you, sir. Take a look at stories tagged digital divide at muninetworks.org for more on this topic. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at CommunityNets. Thank you to Dickie F. for the music this week. His song, Florida Mama, is licensed through Creative Commons. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.